<laughs> so good to be here again, once again. It's my privilege to share God's Word with you. And if you're here by the first, second, third time, my name is Danny. I'm part of the leadership team of this local church. If you're watching online, good morning for you. I want to ask you to gift your attention for the next few minutes. We are in this sermon series called Abide, to remain, to abide in Jesus. And I want to invite you to read with me John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is not coming to your screen. It's a long text. We are going to read 10 verses. So I'll read my notes here. But if you have your phone, your Bible, you can give a lift to someone in your Bible, in your phone, uh, or in your paper Bible, printed Bible. John chapter 15. I'll read with you. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener, depending on your Bible that you're reading is a different language. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit or every branch in me that bears no fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, you are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am, again, Jesus saying, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. What a powerful statement. But this, my Father, is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Amen. I love this last verse because he's talking about obedience and love. In the same statement, the same phrase, in the same uh, quote, in the same line. Commandments, obedience, and love. It's funny because our... Our understanding of love is, is different than what the Bible is saying about love. Our understanding of love is, you just need to approve me all the time. And here, love is related to obedience. So there's a nice, amazing um, quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, from his book, Four Loves, God is love, but love is not a God. Love, having become a God, becomes a demon. So what he's saying, sometimes we worship love and the way that we understand love without obedience, without commitment, without relationship. 
And when this love becomes our God, it's not a God, it's our demon. Because it's allowing us to be the worst version of us without relationship with the true vine. So I love this text. Let's pray. Lord, we love your word. We love your presence. We ask now for your supernatural presence bringing our minds, emotions, hearts under your scriptures and your word this morning. So rebuke in Jesus' name every kind of distractions and I ask for, for your supernatural power to speak with us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 So guys, some of us, when we, we, we read this kind of text in the Bible, it's a beautiful text, but we kind of find vineyard, rural life, or roots or branches, and what is talking about? What is this? So the Bible is full of this kind of um, agriculture metaphors. And, and for the 21st century addicted in TikToks, for us, doesn't, doesn't make that sense. So this agriculture rural life, you see this, Jesus using these uh, analogies all the time in the New Testament. He talks about seeds, he talks about birds, he talks about vine, branches, grapes, and all of this. For those people in those days, they, they understood straight away because they had this kind of rural uh, life. Um, and, and for us sometimes, this is kind of weird, what's the meaning? Uh, in the Old Testament, in many places in the Old Testament, Israel, the nation, the people, the Jews, they were called as a vine or vineyard. In Jeremiah, Isaiah, Psalms, God's always calling them with his name. Because a farmer in those days with a vine would be a rich guy because you could trade and make business with the wine. So to have a big agriculture or farm, that means a treasure. You, you, you could be rich in those days. And I love these agriculture metaphors. Because agriculture is not something that grows wild. It's not natural. It has to be planned. It has to be pre-designed. So this is not an accident. A vine or, or a rural uh, plantation and crops is not an accident. Nothing in the Bible is an accident. Nothing in Jesus' teachings or in the, in the life, in the Christian life, is, is not an accident. You are not an accident. Now, if you think you came here this morning just because you had to come and, I don't know, you feel guilty, oh, it has been a long time, I haven't been in the church, or oh, my spouse is annoying if I don't go, or, or just I'm get used to, I'm familiar with, and I need, to, I need, I have to be in the church. You are so wrong, <laughs> because this is not an accident. You are here, and you were born, where you were born. You have this age, and you are now in this country, and you are sitting in this chair now, because someone has planned this before. He predestined, he predesigned you. This is not an accident. You are not an accident. Even your parents didn't hold you, or if you came from a very sad and tough background and history and looking for acceptance your whole life full of pains, you are not an accident. You are here because this heavenly conspiracy, this heavenly plan have brought you here to listen to this word now. And if you're watching online, 
Someone was planning this as well. And I love this sentence before we jump in the text, this teaching, because Jesus said, every branch in me. He's not saying every branch around me or uh, don't be around me. Jesus is saying, don't like me. (laughs) You need to be in me. You need to be connected. You need to be part of me. You know, sometimes we, we have these friends or, and we come to churches like this church or any other church and we kind of, uh, I like Jesus. <laughs> I, I have sympathy for, for Christianity or for Jesus. You're just around. You just think, oh, it's cool, it's nice, that church, nice people. He's saying, or you love me radically or you abide in me. Or there's no other deal, no other option. Don't like me. Please, don't like me. <laughs> don't give me thumbs up in your Facebook or your Instagram with a Bible verse. You need to know me deeply. You see, I have three girls. Sometimes when we are at home or Ella does or speaks something or Clara, I can see Giovanna and the girls. Sometimes I can see myself and my girls. And sometimes someone that I don't know who is. <laughs> But they are our girls because my children, they are the offspring, they are result, they are the fruit of my relationship with Giovanna. So there's no fruits without relationship. Nobody can bear fruits in life. Nobody can grow. Nobody can go to another stage in life without abide, without remain, without be part of something, without relationship. So that's why he says, that fruitfulness is result of relationship. That's why Jesus keeps insisting. These 10 verses we just read now, more than 10 times, he's saying, abide, 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 abide. Be there all the time, connected with me. Now let's talk about some verses, and I have a few lessons here. I'd love to check with you. I'm not sure if it's the right PowerPoint. I think it is. Lesson number one is in verse two. Let me read again verse two for you. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. He's talking about fruit and more fruit. So even if you are fruitful, you go through pruning. Pruning. Last week I was... In my place, you know, in the church, we have our favorite places. <laughs> Just here in Crawley. No other church. We don't have this in other places. So I was in that seat. And, hey, this is my place. I'm joking. <laughs> and I remember now my mother. She was so uh, polite. <laughs> and I remember once when someone came to the church. Hey, sister, you are in my place. And she said, our place is in heaven. <laughs> I said, come on, man. Just be nice. <laughs> so... Uh, I was there in my place, and we were praying, and, and Justin was leading the service last Sunday, and there was a moment where Justin asked us to pray, to pray, quiet moment, and I was there, and I felt the Lord speaking to me about this, that uh, even if in my personal life I'm trying and kind of being fruitful, I must go to some pruning, to some cuttings. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm Latin, 
Okay, we, we love celebration and joy and music and dancing, all of this. This week, I was being an annoying dad, showing for my girls the very 90s worship songs and people dancing and all this stuff. It's nice. I really enjoy. I'm rock guy. I have been many rock concerts. I love this. But dancing and, or shouting or, or celebration, or, which is perfect, nice. But all those, th those uh, things doesn't make me grow. Doesn't make you grow. What causes you to grow is to endure being cut. Is to endure uh, the pruning moments. Because it's easy to, to have submission, to submit myself to successful moments, to joyful moments. But to say, Jesus, I want to be submit, to submit myself to crushing moments, to pruning, to cutting. This makes me grow. You see, the verse 2 is saying, the second part of verse 2 um, is saying, does every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? I'm, I'm giving fruit, Jesus. Why am I being cutting? Why, why do things are so bad and difficult in my life if I'm trying to be a nice guy, a nice Christian, and to be obedient? Bad times makes you grow. Tearful times makes you grow. Frustrating times. Moments where your heart is broken. Pruning moments. To bear more fruits. Maybe we're in these moments now. And, 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 and this verse says about to bear more fruit. To be more fruitful. To have more fruits. In other words, it's like Jesus saying, I will not let you stay at the same level. Are you giving some fruits? Yes. Are you seeing results around you and seeing your Christian life and growing and seeing the things changing or the church growing or your personal life with God? Or Great. So then this is one level. Let's go to the other one. Now I need to open my heart with you guys. You know that kind of dangerous prayer. I'm afraid that maybe God can say yes to some of these prayers. There was a funny moment in Acts. I think it's chapter 4 if I'm not wrong. Peter, the apostle Peter, he was in a prison. And, 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 and a week before, James, the other apostle, he was killed by the Roman Empire. And now Peter was waiting for his uh, moment. Okay, so we have Peter in the prison, and we have the church together, gathering someone in his house, praying for Peter. What kind of prayer? Oh, God, please release him from the jail. Okay, and they were praying, and then the angel came. Peter was free from the prison. Peter came walking the street. Peter was clapping the gate. Hey, open the door. And someone left the prayer moment, went to the door, opened the little think, it's Peter, and they close the door again, and come back, and Peter's there, and they start a discussion, no, it's not Peter, yeah, it is, it's not, and Peter was waiting in the, uh, in the gate, please, someone open, and they were having this kind of arguments, it's Peter, it's not Peter, now, someone said, it's his angel, and just go and open the door, what is it showing, sometimes we don't believe in our own prayers, sometimes, if God says yes, wow, I don't know what to do, so to bear more fruit. Because we have the tendency of being satisfied with the average. 
we have this tendency. I like this quote from this guy, Einstein. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. We just are used to the average. We want to stay there. More fruit. I don't know if you had this thought before. Sometimes I have this. When you think your potential exceeds your position in life. You see, I want my capacity, gifts that God gave to me, and new skills, talents. I want to see this grow to the level of my vision. So I, I don't want to believe in a level and to live in another level. So more fruit is an invitation for a new season, for a new me, for a new moment. And I have to be another person to deal with these new fruits. That's why I need to prune. God has to prune me. I don't want more fruit because I'm greedy, because I'm narcissist, or because I'm, I'm arrogant, or I have a self-enthroned ego. I just would be very frustrating to live and die and never reach the potential that I was created to reach. That's fine. Verse 8, Jesus said, the Father is glorified when he sees more fruit, much fruit. You see, in this journey, to bear more fruit, sometimes we need cuttings to grow. Another lesson from this text. You cannot build trust without stability. In verse 4, let me read verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Easy. Sometimes it looks like teaching for children. Very easy. Very clear. You cannot build trust. You cannot build a life. You cannot build nothing without stability. To be there. Stable. Just in verse 4, I think we have one, two, three times the word abide. Ten times in the whole text. To be stable, steadfast, immovable. Our problem is with, we are led by our emotions many times. Oh, I don't feel like I want to follow Jesus today. And then on Wednesday, I love Jesus. Looks like these footballers when they have uh, uh, championships and, and they are big uh, pictures and, and, and TV stations and everybody interviewing them like uh, I'm Brazilian, so Neymar with the T-shirts or... 100% Jesus. I love Jesus. In the evening, they were hanging out with lots of girls and drinking. And then, What is this? Sometimes I love Jesus. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm not sure if I will follow Jesus. And I have been talking with some people, even some leaders. Those who received the divine call from the Lord for his service. Saying, I'm not sure. I don't feel like. I'm not so happy. Oh, don't, don't feel happiness. There was a fun fair in, in, in that corner with ice cream. It's amazing. You feel happy over there. Because we are talking about to be stable in Jesus. To endure the cutting moments. We, it's an invitation for maturity. So we have lots of places that can keep giving you baby food. And, and then you feel emotional and happy. But on Monday or Tuesday you feel sad. That's why you don't walk by feelings. You walk by faith. 
we walk but what we know about Him, not about our feelings screaming and our soul shouting from within. doesn't matter if I'm happy or sad or with low self-esteem. I know about my calling and I know about Jesus. Be stable when you are confused. Be stable when you are disappointed. Be stable when uh, abiding in Jesus, when you don't see the benefit when your heart's broken, when you're not being paid what you're worth, be stable in Him. To remain in Him. When your gifts are not celebrated, you you, you, you never see uh, what you could be if you quit. What you could have if you quit. What God could do with you if you quit. Because it's difficult. Of course it's difficult. Of course he is with you. In verse 5, I have another lesson. Verse 5. Um, <clears throat> for um, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he that bears much fruit from a part of me, you can do nothing. I love the way that Jesus started this teaching when he says, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. In other words, he's saying, Danny, you are not the gardener. You are not supposed to make yourself grow. You cannot control everything in your life. This addiction in control, your husband control, your kids control, your life control, and control God as well. And, and to say to God what he must to do in your life, when and how. You, you cannot control the stages. You cannot control. There's many things you cannot control. And you cannot make yourself grow. And more than this, without me, you cannot even raise these kids. You cannot even hold this marriage. Without me, you cannot face the painful divorce that you are facing now. Without me, you cannot be a Christian. Without me, you cannot follow God. Without me, you are lost. Because you can do nothing. And nothing is a lot of stuff. You can fit a lot in nothing. Nothing is, the Greek word is nothing at all. We don't like to depend on people. Um, I'm mature, I pay my bills. Um, we don't like to depend on God. Because we are so anxious, and sometimes God takes a long time to do the stuff, and then we take the wheel of our lives, and we drive our own lives. And then we try to make ourselves grow. But I'm not the gardener. God knows how to prune. And like verse 6, we're going to every uh, verse when it says, let me find here verse 6, yeah, it's there. In the middle of this text, you see 10 verses talking about love and abide. And then I have verse 6. Boom. And verse 6, it says, If a man does not abide in me, he is cast from the umbrella. Okay, I don't want to read this. It's talking about fire and being cut and punishment. And, and then let's jump verse 6. And then I like, I like this next one. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you will. Oh, great. This I like. I don't like verse 6. <laughs> it's very selective. Um, 
the gospel must be preached to warn you as well. There's a train coming on your direction. There's a train coming in your direction because I like um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It's not on the screen. Let me read for you. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What he is taught, uh, teaching here is the doctrine of substitution. He's saying, okay, God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. So all my greedy, all my lust, all my selfishness, all my pride, everything, my desires for revenge, my, my pursuing of, of a reputation, and everything was in Jesus. All my sins, and now the righteousness of Jesus jumped and came to me. So that means every time God sees uh, the cross, he sees me, and every time God looks to to, to me, he says, Jesus is a substitution. My sin was replaced by his righteousness. But before of this, I need to understand that I am a sinner. I am a sinner. In Acts 17, verse 30, is written, He commands all people everywhere to repent. He's not suggesting, he's not asking. He's not being very uh, European, 21st century, very polite. Oh, excuse me, could you repent? God commands everyone, all people, in everywhere. He's saying, you must repent of your sins. You must repent to not abide in me. You must repent of your bitter opinions. You must repent every time you have evil thoughts in your heart. You must repent. Because there is a wrath of God in our direction. In John chapter, third, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, that we love, for God so loved the world. If you keep reading the whole text, in the last verse on John chapter 3, saying about those who are under the wrath of God. I said this many times. Let me repeat. We always have new people in the church coming. I remember once I was in Subway here in the Crawley Leisure Center, Leisure Park. And a lady was in the tier. Was to, I was about to pay my, my Subway sandwich. And she had a tattoo in her arm. I like tattoos. I think it's nice depending on the tattoo. And was written there, only God can judge me in her tattoo. And I said, oh, only God can judge you. And she was happy. She said, yes, only God can judge me. And then I said to her, are you not worried about this? And then she changed her smile. I wasn't very nice with her, but we have a wrong idea about God. And, and God, how can we put in the same person a loving father and a judge? I don't like that. Let me customize. I don't like verse 6. Okay, so because I'm addicted and instant gratification, because my Instagram, they show nice stuff for me. And I'm, I'm addicted and comfort all the time. So this guy, I don't like this kind of God. I like that Jesus and the chosen. This is a cool one. I like the chosen as well. But that's just saying it's not 100% what we read in the Bible. The same Jesus who is teaching about to abide, teaching about love, is talking about some kind of punishment or, or final judgment and fire and all those things. In Acts 17, verse 30, when he says, he commands all people in everywhere to repent, he keeps saying, 
He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. I don't want the justice of God. Because if God gave me his justice, I would be lost. I, I, I want the grace of God, the favor of God, the mercy of God. Can you imagine if you are in the boat going in the river and there's a waterfall and everybody's going to the waterfall and God sees that boat and have, I don't know, 30 people inside and God decides to save some of these people. And, and then I say, God, you are saving me. Thank you. But and those guys going to the waterfall, are they going to die? You're not just. You're not fair. This is not fair. This is not righteous. And then God asked me, Danny, do you want me to be righteous? And to act with justice with you? No. I, I want your grace. I want your favor. But in Acts 17, seeing that he's coming to judge the world with justice. Now it's time to repent. Because he will judge the world. Someday, and this day is coming in my and your direction. God will judge the world. Now it's time to repentance, to look for Jesus, because Jesus is merciful, Jesus is kind, Jesus is gracious, Jesus is forgiven. And maybe you are here this morning, not maybe, you are here this morning because he wants to save you, to forgive you, and to bring you to repentance. And I like verse 7. Verse 7 says... It's a simple contract. Very simple. Not complicated. Let me read. Where is my verse 7? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Sometimes, uh, I remember when I was a kid to memorize just the other part of the same verse. I can ask whatever I want. <laughs> Jesus will give me. Because... I go to the church and I love him and etc. But I forgot the, the, the previous part. If you abide in me and my word abide in you. Not their word, not the gossip column's word, not your mother's word, not your past word, not the words of your insecurities, not the word of your traumas or your childhood, my word. Not someone else's opinions, my word to abide in you. In other words, he's saying if you don't have enough word in you, you ask to God things according to your flesh. According to your thoughts, according to your opinions, because today everybody has opinion about God. Everybody's theologian. It's so funny when I go through these Twitters or, or Instagram and, and people giving lots of opinions and podcasts about God. And I think in myself and I think, I don't have any opinion about medicine. I don't have opinions about law because I don't understand. So every day we have a not Christian trying to teach a Christian how to be a Christian. Every day you have someone trying to teach how we should understand the Bible that they never read. So every day you have someone trying to customize this beautiful care bear, Jesus, according to their opinion and saying that we are wrong. So if my word abides in you. Sorry, guys, but I really not interesting to hear opinions about those who never read the Bible doesn't love the scriptures, and they have opinions about God. If my word abides in you, because the word, it's powerful to change your desires, your prayer requests, 
your priorities. The word is when you start to eat the word of God, when you start to love the word of God, you start to change. Have you ever feel ashamed of your prayers? I did. I was halfway praying. And then in the middle of the sentence, I stopped. I said, well, how selfish is my prayer? Forget, Lord. Erase everything. Forget, Lord. Let me restart this. And when I started to pray for someone else or for another situation, I felt this fight in my heart. I'm wasting time. I should pray for my priorities. I should pray for my girls and things that are important for me. And then again, I had another crisis. How selfish. How uh, sinner. My prayer is, is depraved. It's not clean. So this conscience and this journey of conscience is just possible when you start to dig more in the Word. And the Word will change you. The scriptures in the Bible will change you. That's why we have a concern in this local church. We are all the time praying, trying to find the ways. How can we serve God's people in the flock with more Bible teaching? With more scriptures? We are a church. We love the scriptures. And we are surrounded by many good churches around. But there's a lot of crazy teachings around as well. And we are worried about this flock. That's why we have deeper truth, we have foundations, we have alpha, we have many tools to make you grow and to love more the Word of God. But be careful, the Word of God is always a mirror. Always a mirror. And it's invites you. And maybe when you start to read the Word with discipline, come on, we spend three, four hours on Netflix. If you read 12 pages on day, you can read the whole Bible in one year. When we start to read, okay, let me read the New Testament with discipline. God will invite you to be pruned. Is, is the reward. <laughs> okay, but why? To bear more fruit. To grow. Because in this block of text that we read, he talks about fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. There is another level of fruitfulness. In verse 8, he says... My father is glorified when you bear fruit. Why do you need everyone to clap on you? My father feels joy. My father feels happy, pleasure. He rejoices to see you growing, to see you being more fruitful, achieving another level in your ministry, in your family, in the local church, in your life, to see you growing, flourishing. Maybe it's time to look inside of you and to see, God, there is a dry ground in my heart. There's something dry in my family. I, I, I need life in this tree. I need life in these branches. I need to abide in you again, God. I'm trying to avoid to be pruned because, no, no, I, I want to because you are the gardener. You know how to prune. You know how to do the right cuttings. I've been cutting. This week I was sharing with Stephen Stewart. I saw God cutting my vanity of my heart. I saw God cutting some bitterness of my heart that I wasn't aware of. And then I was praying, said, yes, God, please make, more, make me more holy, more, um, more like your son, Jesus. Make me love more the scriptures. And then I start to see different things in me. You know when you are very close to the light, you can see your spots, your wrinkles. 
when you start to walk close to God, he, start to, he will start to show for you, hey, there's a pride. Where is this guy here in your heart? Let me cut. Hey, there's a vanity here. Let me cut. Do you want to grow that? Great. I want to see you growing. I feel happy when you grow. But I need to change your opinion and your tongue. It's so bitter sometimes. Let me cut this. Of course, it's painful. But I don't know another way. And the Father is glorified yes. when you go to pruning these moments. So church, this John chapter 15, and to abide in Jesus, because without him we cannot do nothing, is an invitation for maturity. What, what do you think we can do without Jesus? And if you are here for the first time, if you have information about Bible or God, but you never hear the gospel before, that Jesus died on the cross for you. You know there is a God. And you know there is a judgment coming. And you know you need to repent. You know you need to change your ways. And it's, it's stop to be addicted just in shallow conversations about God. Or a good feeling in the church. Oh, it was a nice band. Seriously, let's go deeper. You know those things. And if you are here listening now, my hope and my prayer is that God is touching your heart. And bringing you for Abiding here, deeply rooted in the true vine who is Jesus Christ. There is no life without Jesus Christ. There is no joy without Jesus Christ. There is no hope without Jesus Christ. There is no forgiveness without Jesus. Jesus is the true vine. Your life comes from him. Your joy comes from him. Your perspectives of the future comes from Jesus. And it's time for you to understand those things. God is inviting you. He is the gardener. Let's pray. Let's stand. I'll invite you for a silent prayer. We still have time to worship, to pray. But I want you to feel very free. It's our family. Maybe you need to pray with someone. Maybe from your family. Maybe you need to turn to your spouse now and say, please, can you forgive me? Without explanation. You know, without, oh, because you did this or that. that. Could you forgive me? Yeah. I know it's not easy. Let's take our marriage back to the vine. Maybe you need your personal life with God to come back to the vine, to be abiding in Him. Maybe it's your morning to repent of our sins. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking with people here who has a background of churches or you're raised in some church in your life, in your past, but you never repent of your sins. You never gave the right, the right step towards Jesus. You are surrounded by religion, culture, formations about God. But you are not aware about the wrath of God and the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the cross of Jesus. I invite you to pray. Only the Holy Spirit can see your heart. Let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus, the day is coming. where we will close our eyes here 
and that day we will give the last hug in someone that we love Lord Jesus our life is like a book and every day we are reading another page and another page and we are moving towards the end and that day is coming where every single person will stand before your throne Lord, I ask you, please, Holy Spirit, touch some hearts this morning. Bring people to repentance. There is salvation available. There is forgiveness available. You are powerful to forgive. If you are here this morning and God's touching your heart, and you know He's touching your heart, I want to pray for, for you and with you by the end of this service. We'll be here in the front. You can come. We don't want to give an exposition of you. I know we have cameras around, but the main camera is in your heart now. It's the Holy Spirit. You cannot disguise. You cannot pretend. You need to repent. You need salvation. You need to abide in Jesus. You need to endure the cutting moments of life. There's a lot of fruits waiting for you. But this is your moment. We will be here praying for you. So while we sing this song again, I'm going to ask you, you can move forward towards here. You can go to pray with someone from your family or friend. He'll be here to pray with you.